So uh, I found this interesting that uh, yesterday I wrapped up the sermon that I was working on and, you know, had it all wrapped up. And I was like, okay, I'm happy with this. I feel like, you know, I know where I want to go and what I want to do. And then this morning, uh, I was in the shower, even before the shower, I just started getting this, this heaviness on me. And then this, uh, not just a heaviness, but more of a, even a like, a, oh, your sermon's going to be terrible. And yeah, all the stuff started hitting me. And, uh, and then I was in the shower, and I was just like, okay, God, what's going on? What's happening? What's doing? And Aaron, in the morning when she's getting ready, she always puts on praise and worship music. And, and Carrie Underwood was singing, How Great Thou Art. And I was in the shower, and she was singing. I could tell, because I love the way she sings it. And, her, and, it was just, and the Holy Spirit just came on me in there. And I just started like, it was just like the, the heaviness and this whole thing that Satan was bringing was just gone and lifted. And I was just like, thank you, Lord. And uh, then the next song that came on was, I'm trying to think of which one it was. Oh, uh, the uh, Breathe. And uh, yeah, no, it was, and all the earth shall shout your name. My heart shall cry. My voice shall sing. Great are you, Lord. And I was just in there just, just praising and worshiping, trying to keep tears from running down my cheeks. And it reminded me, one of the words that I got this year for our body that I haven't even shared yet was breakthroughs. And the Lord gave me this word breakthroughs. And since he gave it to me, I've had three people come up and say and share how they've had breakthroughs in different areas in their life in the Lord. And uh, maybe that's why God did it this morning, just to remind me of breakthroughs, because then I had a breakthrough this morning, and every, that heaviness that was on me and that, that, that attack from Satan, I just had a major breakthrough, and I was just rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, and then being up here and just worshiping Him, and our God is good, amen? Amen. So uh, Exodus fifteen seven says, and in the greatness of your excellence... You overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. We're looking at excellence this year. That's our theme. You guys who have been here know that. We've been looking at the foundation, and Christ is the foundation. It's lives that we're building on are to be lives of excellence. That's what God wants us to do. We looked how God has greatness for you. As it says, in the greatness of your excellence, it's His greatness, and it's His excellence. And how God has greatness for us. And as it says in Romans eight thirty one, it says, uh, what, shall we, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for, over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? One, that God is for us. And we have to remind ourselves, God is for us. No matter what you're going through or facing, God is for you, and that he will freely give us all things. And one of the things that he freely gives us is his Holy Spirit for each and every one of us to, to lead us into the truth, to guide us, to be there. So that the lives that we build are lives of excellence. As a matter of fact, one of the scriptures we looked at is Luke eleven nine through 13. And Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, when we're saved, we, we receive the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us. But then I believe there's also a baptism of the Holy Spirit that we can receive after salvation. And it's a baptism of power, but it's power to witness. It says in Acts, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you in Acts 1.8, and you shall be my witnesses. So we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives when we're saved, but I believe there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit where God baptizes in His power and in His Holy Spirit, and it's to be stronger witnesses. He has gifts that He gifts us with, and He wants us to be walking in those gifts. And I'll share again, if uh, like even on Sunday morning, because uh, sometimes Don will have a, a word or a Marilyn will have a word. And I tell everybody, if you're sharing on Sunday morning your gift, you better be sharing it throughout the week. If your gift is only on Sunday morning, you're not walking in the gift that God has for you. And you need to be walking in that gift. Now, it's not just for a Sunday morning church service. It's for every single day of our lives. And we need to be walking in them. And it's not about attention going to us. When the gifts are truly being used by the Holy Spirit, all the focus, all the attention, all goes on Him. And when His birth goes out, His Word goes out, it doesn't come back void. It goes out and it penetrates and does what it's supposed to do. So we have the Holy Spirit, and I believe there is a Holy Spirit of baptism. But we're going to continue on talking about the Holy Spirit this morning. One is, if you guys have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and if you want to, we can pray for you. And uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit will baptize you when we pray for you. And uh, I'm not one who believes in teaching people how to speak in tongues, although I do believe in speaking in tongues, and I do believe in praying in tongues. But I believe it's a gift that God gives us. And I've been there when people say, repeat after me and say these words. And I just believe if God's going to gift you, He's going to gift you. You don't have to repeat. You don't have to do anything. And I don't know why I got off on this. I wasn't planning to, but uh, we'll probably be hitting it sometime during the year, it looks like. But I just brought it up this morning because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So uh, I was reading one of my devotionals, and it had to do with what we were talking about last week. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I'm going to read that this morning, and and then we're going to take this as a a springboard to jump into the message this morning, this uh, devotional that I read. It's entitled, The Holy Spirit Oil. Hebrews 1.9 says, therefore God, this is just a portion of Hebrews 1.9, by the way, says, therefore God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. It says, the Holy Spirit is the oil of gladness. The Lord said, I see the oppression of my people, I hear their cry. I know their sorrows, Exodus 3, 7. Just as the Lord knew and identified with the suffering of his people in Moses' day, he knows your troubles today. He is oil pouring himself into your wounds. He can make you rejoice. 
Lord, your healing oil is good. Rejuvenate my spirit and take away the scars of my mind. Just as your oil takes away physical pain, I also want you to take away mental and spiritual memories. Let your oil wash away the impurities of my wounds and cleanse me physically and mentally. The Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your discouragement, you'll have new zeal to live for God and new strength to serve him. You'll rejoice. The Holy Spirit is oil. When he pours his presence on your failures, you'll see new opportunities in your life. You'll grow. He is oil, washing away your impurities that fester and breed germs. You can be whole again. He is oil, giving you a second chance and a new opportunity. Let the oil of the Holy Spirit give you a new challenge this day. Now, when you read about oil in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, not every single time, but probably most times it's representing the Holy Spirit. And when you read oil and it's talking about anointing and oil, it's always talking about the Holy Spirit. Every single time, when you're looking at anointing and you're looking at oil, you are looking at the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 1.9 says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Here we have anointing and a reminder. Messiah means anointing. Christ means anointing. That's what those words mean. And so we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit. He is our oil of gladness. Think about that. He is our oil of gladness. Not pain, not misery. He's our oil of gladness. We receive the Holy Spirit of salvation. You know what God has for us? He has gladness for us. He wants us to be glad. He wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy this life. He wants every single one of us to enjoy this life that he's blessed us with. I don't see that. I don't see it in the world. I don't see it in the church. I see a lot of uh, struggles. I see a lot of of pain that we have at times. God has the oil of gladness, the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of gladness that he has for each and every one of us. You know, uh, we live in a society where we get in a car and we drive from point A to point B. And in our cars, we have air conditioning. We have heating. We have heated seats. We have stereophonic music that sounds amazing. And we're in our, in our this nice little amazing gorgeous bubble and we're complaining about the people around us and the traffic we're sitting in and what's happening and this person just cut me off and we're getting angry at that person instead of realizing how blessed we are just to be sitting in this vehicle and when it's really hot we turn the air conditioning on when it's really cold we turn on the heater we get I mean we're just sitting in total comfort living this great life and yet we're not glad and we're not happy. And it seems to me, as I look around, even percentage-wise, I see more people on anti-anxiety medication 
and on antidepressant medication than probably any other time in history. We probably have, especially here in Orange County, some of the highest quality of life. I guarantee you some of the highest quality of life on this planet right now we're living. You can accept that or not. But I'm telling you, you are in the 10% richest people in the world. If you are sitting in this room this morning, you're in the top 10% richest people in this world. So we're living, what's that? Okay, I don't know what that means, but go Cowboys. Um, And yet, we're some of the unhappiest. We're some of the most griping, complaining of probably, I can't say the whole world, I don't know. I just see so much unhappiness and so much griping and so much complaining. And as uh, even Monique confessed, we worry. And I worry. I'm not saying I don't. I gripe sometimes. I complain sometimes. I've shared I get angry when I drive and people cut me off and I don't. I let all the stupid things get to me too. But it's the oil of gladness. It's the Holy Spirit of gladness that He has for us. Remind yourself that. Remind yourself how blessed you are sometimes. Don't forget it. And don't, and don't take days for granted. And when God's blessed us with these days, make the most of these days that He's blessed us with. And say, I'm going to wake up. You know what? When I was heavy this morning, and, and that, it was just it's like this. I can't even explain it. But when I heard that, how great thou art, and then when it was singing, my heart shall cry, my bones shall sing, great are you, Lord. And I just started singing it over and over and over. I started getting so pumped up this morning and so excited and so excited about God and who He is and what He wants to do for each of us. I just went from this heavy, almost intense depression to just go like, yes, let's go. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Let's live this life. Let's do this. You guys probably don't know it, but there's actually going to be a football game today. So you guys didn't know. That's why you're laughing. You're finding out. It's the Super Bowl. I was thinking about it this morning, the Super Bowl. And I was thinking, how much money is the United States spending on the Super Bowl? Okay, start adding up alcohol. First, let's start with just the game, the tickets. Okay. But then you start adding up all the Super Bowl parties that are going to be going across this whole country. All the alcohol, all the food, all the gas to get there and back, all the, all the stuff that you add in, how many billions and billions and billions of dollars are going to be for some guys running out on a field, throwing a football and tackling each other, and how excited people are going to get over it, and how angry they're going to get. I don't know if you've ever seen some of the, uh, the videos of guys watching sports, but like there, something happens to their team, and their team you know, gives up a fumble or the other team, and they just grab something and they just destroy their TV. They have these great big, really nice flat screen TVs, and it just gets destroyed. And I'm thinking the people are going to be yelling and jumping and screaming and excited over nothing. Over nothing. 
And yet we serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. You want to get excited? Spend time with the oil of gladness. Be anointed with spend time in God's presence. The more time I spend in God's presence, the more I just get built up, the more I get pumped up, the more I just start seeing how great is our God and how much He wants to do and how much He wants to use it and the good plans that He has for us. And God has good plans for us, church. He is for us. God is for you. He is for me. He is for us. As far as the Chiefs and the Niners go, I'm not for either one. I could care less. I don't care care who wins or loses. But as far as God's concerned, He cares about each and every one of us. And He is for you. He is for me. He is for us. And so it started off, the Holy Spirit is the oil of gladness. The Lord said, I see the oppression of my people. I hear their cry. I know their sorrows. Just as the Lord knew and identified with the suffering of his people in Moses' day, he knows your troubles today. He is oil pouring himself into your wounds. He can make you rejoice. He can make you be glad. You guys remember this last week's message? And we went back and we talked about Joseph. And then we went into Moses a little bit. And I want to talk about that a little more because he brings it up right here. He says, I know their sorrows. And the sorrows they had is that they were put into slavery. Remember Joseph? All the blessing. So many pharaohs now and don't know who Joseph was. And all the pharaoh does, remember a pharaoh is just a, it's a title, it's a position, it's not an actual person like the president, they were Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was. And all these people, the Israelites, were becoming so many, it frightened him, it scared him. And he said, if they join up with, if we go to war and they join up with our enemy, or just by themselves, they might, might be able to overthrow us. Therefore, we need to, we need to keep them down. We need to turn them into slaves. So they got these people and they turned them into slaves. And, they're, and the Israelites are crying out to God. And God brings Moses. And we talked about Moses and we talked about the Nile and we talked about the Pharaoh's daughter and raising Moses and Moses in the bed. We talked about all that last week, so I'm not going to go through it now. But Moses, if you guys remember, saw... Um, he saw the two, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head right now. He saw the uh, two Israelites fighting, right? And he goes to them, and they said, are you going to kill us the way you killed the Egyptian the other day? Because the Egyptian the day before was out. He was beating on an Israelite. He looked, and he didn't see anybody, and so he killed the Egyptian. You guys remember that? And then, the, then he sees the two Israelites, and they're fighting, and uh, he goes to, hey, what are you got brothers fighting about? And they looked at him and said, are you going to kill us the way you killed the Egyptian? And he goes like, oh, no, everybody knows. So he went out of there. He went to Midian. While he's in Midian, he ends up getting married. But he's there. God meets him in a burning bush, says, I want you to go and set my people free, right? Takes us back to where we are this morning. We have the ten plagues. We remember the ten plagues, correct? So the question that I was looking at and the question I get sometime is, 
Well, I'll read this. It says in Exodus 4.21, it said, The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform here before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. Well, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. So God says, Moses, you go back, but I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And then it says in Exodus 7.3, it says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And so people say, okay, if God hardened Pharaoh's heart, should uh, Pharaoh be held accountable? If God's the one who did it. So we're going to look at that for a second this morning because that's a question I get on a semi-regular basis. But you have to understand, and I read those first, because just before that in Exodus chapter 3, it says, But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go. This is God speaking again. But I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. What did you grab by that? God knows what Pharaoh's going to do before Pharaoh ever does it. Before Pharaoh even's in the picture, before he's, we've even gone to him, before Moses is coming back, God says, I know what Pharaoh's going to do. I know how this is going to take place. I know how this is going to happen. I am God. I am omniscient. I know all things. And I am sovereign God. And I am in control of what happens on this planet, on this earth, because I am sovereign. And so when you go through the plagues, when you look at it in the original language, because in the original language it reads a little differently than some of our translations have. So when you go back in the Hebrew and you look at it, when you look at the first plague as blood, it actually says Pharaoh's heart became hard. Okay, that's the first plague. The second plague, frog says Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Okay, the third one, which is Nat, says Pharaoh's heart was hard. The, the fourth one, which is fly, says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Then the fifth one, which is the livestock die, is that Pharaoh's heart was hard. And then the sixth one, which is boil, says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Hail, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So when the eighth one says, which is locust, says God announces that he has hardened Pharaoh's heart. Then darkness, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then on the last one, which is the death of the firstborn, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So what we have to see is in the first five, two of them definitely Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And in the other three, it's what's called in the verb tense, it's called the staff, which means we can't tell who hardened Pharaoh's heart. But we get the answer in the seventh plague. Because in the seventh plague, is, uh, it said that Pharaoh had hardened his own heart, but then he uses the same term to become hard as he did in the first three times in the first three. You guys follow that? Everybody with me? Shake your head, yes. Shake your, Gail saying no. Okay, so I'll simplify it. I'll simplify it and make it so it's very clear. 
The first five plagues, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. The second five says that God had hardened Pharaoh's heart. So the question is, who hardened his heart? Did Pharaoh or did God? Well, if you lean towards Calvinism, you're going to say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart from the very beginning. But as I believe, as God said in chapter 3, before we started this, he said, I know what Pharaoh's going to do. See, I know what Pharaoh's going to choose. I, and he's only going to choose this under compulsion. But you, what you need to get out of this is a couple things. One is, is that, one, Pharaoh was evil. He lived under fear. He put a whole people under slavery. And since he was the Pharaoh, it doesn't tell us who the Pharaoh was, but whoever he was was so nervous and so afraid that God, he was fighting against God. And as he would fight against God, God would give him chance and chance and chance. He gave him the ten plagues to repent and come to him and to say it's okay. He would never repent. He would never give in. So one thing we need to take from this is one that God is sovereign. He knows what we're going to do before we do it. As a matter of fact, it's in a Matthew chapter 6. I don't know if I have that in my uh, notes or not. Can you look up Matthew 6? It's going to be like 9 starts the Lord's Prayer, so probably verse 7. Can you look that up, Nikki? I think it's uh, verse 7 or 8 I want in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 or 8. It says, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they will suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8 says, so do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is right before the Lord's Prayer. He's saying this is how you should pray. And He says, the Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And then I get the question, then why do we pray? If God knows what we're going to pray, why do we pray? Well, one answer, which is very basic, is always relationship. You know, Aaron and I have been married 35 years. And there are many times now after being married 35 years, I know what she's going to say before she says it. It doesn't mean I don't ask her and don't talk to her. But I know what she's going to say. I know what the answer is, right? And God knows us a lot better than I know my own wife. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You know you know what they're going to say. You know the person so well. So we have a relationship with God. God knows what Pharaoh's going to do. And yet something happened in the middle. And I believe that Pharaoh hardened his heart so much that God knew that he would never unharden his heart. And therefore... There was consequences. But the consequences weren't just for Pharaoh. They were also for all his people. Because the plagues involved all ten of the people. So we have God. First of all, he gives them ten chances to repent. And at all ten times, he chooses not to repent and not goes God's way. So one, don't be a Pharaoh. If you get nothing out of this message, don't be a Pharaoh. That should have been the title of this message. Don't be a Pharaoh. When God's speaking to you, when God says something, he means it. Now, 
when it comes to salvation, because I want to be clear on this, I'm just thinking about this while I'm up here. When it comes to salvation, there comes a point where people can't be saved. That point is called when they, when they die, when they pass away. Up until that point, God's grace is available to them. They can be unconscious in a coma, I believe, and God can come to them, and that person in a coma, in a coma can say, God, I believe in you, come into my life, or I repent, and God will come in at the very last second. So when it comes to salvation, it's always available. But there are times when people harden their hearts so much that they will not allow God to come in, and that's what Pharaoh did. He hardened his heart so much he would not allow God to come in, and therefore there were major consequences to him. So one, understand that God is a God of grace, a God of mercy, even in the Old Testament. And two, he took evil, he took Pharaoh and the evil things that he did, and yet he brought the Messiah and protected his people during the middle of it. So when we get to the last one, the last plague was the the Passover. The last plague we have was the Passover, remember? All the firstborn males are going to be killed of animals and humans. And the Israelites were told to take the blood of the lamb and place it on the lintel and the doorpost and cover it. And when the angel of death goes by, it will pass over. That's the blood of Jesus that passes over us so that we can have real life. I'm on the first point, and it's time to quit. I looked up, thought I had a long time to go. Um, He passes over. Gladness. What if the Egyptians would have taken the blood and put it on the doorpost? What if Pharaoh would have taken the blood and put it on the doorpost? You know what would have happened? Angel of death would have passed over. Would have gone right over. But through all nine times, Pharaoh wouldn't do it. During, during some of the plagues, it appears that some of the Egyptians, it tells us that some of the, I think uh, it might have been in the cattle, some of the Egyptians heard and they actually took their cattle and put it indoors so they weren't killed. See, God's a God of mercy. He's the God of grace. He's given us the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us. And the Holy Spirit is the oil of gladness that he wants for each and every one of us. I'm going to say it again. Not the oil of depression, not the oil of, of, of pain and suffering, although we have that in our lives sometimes. He's the oil of gladness. And God wants us to have that. And uh, as I was saying... I feel like we have more reasons to be happy, at least as many reasons to be happy as there's ever been a time in history, and yet I see more anxiety and depression than I've ever seen. So I'm going to share something with you. Like, uh, I, know, I know there are people in this room, I know some of you are in anti-anxiety and anti-depression. I'm okay with that. I'm not against that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, okay? So I want to be clear about that up front. As a matter of fact, I have told people, I think you should go see a doctor and get checked and maybe get put on medication. I've told people that before. However, with that said, I believe when we spend time, and I mean time with the oil of gladness, when we're really with the Holy Spirit, when we're spending time with our Lord, with our Holy Spirit, 
with the Father, Son, and we're spending time in His presence, depression starts fleeing. Anxiety starts leaving. Light and darkness cannot have fellowship together. It can't happen. And, and I'm speaking for my own life personally right here, right now. Like even this morning, which is maybe which is why God allowed me to have that this morning. Because when I get like that, when the Holy Spirit comes on me, it's a breakthrough. It flees. It's gone. It doesn't stay. It's just gone. And this morning when I was feeling that and I was getting attacked and I was just like, God, what is this? And where did this come from? Because yesterday I felt good and I was happy about what the Holy Spirit's given me and what he wants me to share. And then I just got blasted this morning. And then when I just started thinking how great thou art, and I started praising and worshiping God, and I was literally trying to keep from tears just running down my cheeks with the Holy Spirit on me so much, and I had that breakthrough. That's what the Holy Spirit of gladness does for us, church. And the funny thing is, is I didn't even totally, totally grasp it until right now while I'm up here, why God even had to do that for me this morning is because he wants us to see it's the oil of gladness. That's what he has for each and every one of us to walk in. So while we'll, there are times when we have those down times, there's times as uh, the people were crying out and God said, I know their sorrows because he sees our sorrows. When we're in that, you know what he has for us? Breakthroughs and oil of gladness for each and every one of us. So stand firm on the Lord, stand in his word, stay in his presence, stay close to him and see what he does. And my personal belief is, and I mean this, as we do that, we'll be able to get off the medication. Now, I'm not on any right now. I'm just including me with you so everybody feels loved and wanted because I, I don't want people on medication feel I'm judging them because I'm not in any way, form, or fashion. But I really believe the more we spend time in God's presence, the more we won't need that medication. We won't. And I don't just mean medication for that. I mean the alcohol because so many of us are self-medicating I mean, the drug, self-medicating. I mean, all the other stuff, because God has it for us without that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you are the oil of gladness for each and every one of us. And Lord, I know there are people, even in my family, who are on medication, Lord, and maybe that's where you want them to be right now, and I'm okay with that. But, Lord, I pray if you would have them get off of that, then, and I'd pray for that too, Lord Jesus. And, uh, Lord, that each and every one of us would spend time in your presence. And when Satan tries to bring that heaviness, that depression upon us, Lord, that instead of listening to that, we will run to you. We will run to your presence. And, God, you are sovereign, and you allow these. Even the thing I went through this morning, you allow it for a reason and a purpose. So, God, I just pray, Lord, that that when we have sorrows, we'll just cry them out to you. We'll run to you. We'll run to your presence. And Lord, you came to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to, to give us that oil of gladness. And I think you, you came to do that, Lord. And uh, while everybody's praying and everybody has their eyes closed, I just, uh, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want that gladness I'm talking about. You want Jesus. You want the Holy Spirit because that's why he came. I just want to introduce you to him this morning. And if you don't know him, I want you to know him. And if you want to know him, I just, I just ask you to stand up.
and walk down to the front of the church. Everybody in this room who knows them is praying for you right now that you would come to know them and know them today and have that. And if there's anybody here who would like that, I'm just inviting you to come on down to the front of church. I'll come down and join you. We'll share a few words and pray, and you can know them in a personal way. Anybody like to do that? Then, Father, I pray that every one of us knows you and has a personal relationship with you, Lord Jesus. And uh, for those of us who know you, Lord, we'd remind ourselves that you're for us and that you are the oil of gladness for each and every one of us. And, uh, Lord, we would walk in that gladness you have for us. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are so good to each and every one of us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Let's stand and close in song.